lots to get to. Probably won't really get to all of it. We're, we'll do our best. But I titled this message, The Same Old Sins, because there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon once said. And the same stuff that plagued the Israelites is the same stuff that plagued the Corinthian church, is the same stuff that's going on here in America with people who claim to be Christians or maybe were baptized in some church when they were really small and they don't really remember much past that and they went to a VBS when they were five and they raised their hand and so they just assume that all things are good. Um, They've never really prayed since then. They've never really gone back to church. They've never really read the Bible. And so, but they still think that they're fine. And so I want to recap just quickly. Last week, we talked about getting DQ'd, getting uh, disqualified, that we don't want as Christians to do something that would disqualify our witness or disqualify us from seeing all that God has for us. And there's, there's unfortunately, uh, the text is littered throughout the Bible of people that really, really came close, like guys like Samson who really just did whatever they wanted for the longest time and then at the very end turned back. We, as you know, are in the new covenant. We're not in the old covenant. We're not in the Mosaic law, but there's lots we can learn. And Paul's going to to show us a few things about the Old Testament law in 1 Corinthians 10, but he's doing it to sort of show the Corinthian church the same old sins that are plaguing them and that had plagued Israel back in the day. There was a lot of pride in this church. Many thought that in this church, because they were Christian, they could pretty much live however they wanted. And they would just, they just throw out this, this, this phrase, Christian liberty. Well, why are you doing that? Christian liberty, I have liberty, I have freedom in Christ. I can do whatever I want. That was the sentiment that Paul was trying to correct here. Paul wanted to show them that even though they are Christians, God does not stand idle. He doesn't just watch people do stuff that are truly in his house, in his family, and just let them go and not deal. The theme of the past few chapters is that even though you do have Christian liberty, even though you are not subject to the Mosaic law, that there are times when you yield your rights for the betterment of of brothers and sisters around you. There's times when you give certain things up because there's weaker Christians among you or younger Christians among you and you go, hey, I don't want to stumble them. I don't want to, I don't want their faith to be shipwrecked because we're all doing this activity or whatever that may not even be that bad, but because of where they're at, it's going to derail them. And so it's about having this idea of, of a heart that wants to see people come to Christ no matter what. That's where we're all trying. If we're really in Christ, that's where we're trying to go in life. And, and as we grow and as we mature, we give certain things up or we, we push certain things to the side and we go, um, this is a weight that I don't need anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue God. So in verse 1 of chapter 10, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, some people are like, well, what's the cloud? It's a charge on your iPhone statement. You know that, right? I get it. I don't know how I ever got this, but I don't remember signing up for it. But I've been paying like a dollar 
for some cloud thing for like 10 years plus. I don't think I've ever used it once. But that's not the cloud we're talking about. We're talking about the cloud, the Shekinah glory, the glory of God in the Old Testament, in the Exodus that led them away from the captivity of Pharaoh all the way to the Sinai, uh, the mountain, Mount Sinai and beyond that, that God would lead them with this thing they could physically see. Many don't recall, I mean, when you, when you read some of specifically Exodus and Numbers, you go, whoa, that happened? I don't remember that. That's pretty rough. They didn't cover that in Sunday school. There's a lot of stuff they're not going to cover in Sunday school out of the book of Numbers, but they probably should. Uh, I know there's churches that definitely do. But this was God's protection, God's guidance, his presence to guide and protect, which was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And this is an amazing thing because as I was one of these days, this, I don't know, late July, it was like 112 or 13. And I'm looking up and I'm like, 20% chance, they say, these people, whoever these people are at weather.com, they were, they were right 10% of the time this summer. And somehow these people are still employed. It's an unbelievable job being a weatherman. You'd think that a desert weatherman would be an easier job, but it's apparently not. But I was just waiting for any cloud to come. I'm like, this is Elijah. I can see one coming way in the distance. I'm like, please get up here. Please cool us off. Even if there's no rain, it just, it provides immense relief. That's what these guys had. They were in the desert. They were in the wilderness. There were times when it was brutally hot in that area. If you know that area of the world, it's brutal. It is so hot northeast of Egypt. It is crazy hot. That place can be every bit as hot as this place, if not hotter. But God did something very special with this group that went through the Red Sea. In the same way, Paul's saying, I don't want you guys to be unaware that all of our fathers, all of the people before you, whether you're Jewish or not, you belong to the family of God, Israel, governed by God. If you say you're governed by, by Christ, you're part of that. All were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses. There is a super cool analogy of what this looks like, what it did look like to them and what it looks like to me and you and to the Corinthian church. Um, he says in verse three, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. There's so much in here that we, we just kind of have to brush the surface a little bit, but that they were immersed. They were, quote, baptized. They went through the waters. When you and I get baptized today, we go into water. We are immersed in the idea of re the resurrection of Christ, that we join in. It's a spiritual principle. It's not always explained that well. But when people do this immersion and people are watching, People around her are witnessing somebody go, hey, Jesus asked us to do this, therefore we're going to do it. That he's saying the Israelites were every bit as special to God as you guys are. And they went through serious, serious stuff. They went through miracles that most people go, I can't even believe. I mean, there's people that try and explain away every miracle I'm talking about, from the Red Sea crossing to the manna to all of it. Oh, well, sometimes birds... Uh, the quail, they, they sometimes just like millions of them just fly over, you know, northeastern Egypt and, and they just fall on the ground. And that's the quail they found. It's like, really? Have you ever seen that anywhere outside of an Alfred Hitchcock movie? Seriously? 
you will never see that anywhere. You will never see honeycomb cereal drop out of the sky and fall on the ground. Delicious cereal. Probably their manna was a little better. But they drank the same spiritual drink. God provided food in a desert. God provided water from a rock. God provided safe passage for millions of people through the Red Sea. And after, when they were gaining on them, he crushed them. So if you believe all of the Old Testament, you believe that these people were pretty special. Now, it wasn't the specialness of their work ethic or how much faith they had. It was the fact that God wanted to do something in their lives. And he wants to do something in the lives of anybody who would call upon the name of Christ. That's what he wants. And so they, the Israelites were given all of these things, the spiritual drink, uh, the rock, which Paul, Paul calls Christ. Uh, David Lowry, who is an amazing First Corinthians uh, scholar, says, uh, it is possible that these blessings were intended by Paul to reflect the two ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, which the Corinthians may have thought communicated a magical protection, like similar rites, in some of the mystery religions. The Corinthians did seem to have a distorted view and practice of both of these ordinances, which required correction. This letter is a correction letter on many levels. There is some question answer, a Q&A, if you will, but there's also a lot of correction because this church was really messed up. A lot of bad things were happening, but at the same time, this church had, and we'll get, we'll get into that as we cover 1 Corinthians 11, this church had uh, communion issues, what you and I would call communion issues, how they were using uh, the Lord's Supper, what they were doing during it. There was so much mess. And Paul, I mean, this is a long letter. If you guys read this letter, there's a lot to correct in this church. Can't just do it in five or six bullet points. So he's trying to he's trying to show them through what they should know about and say, look, all these people have this and this and this, just like you guys do. Verse six, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. This is such a big deal. Uh, oh, sorry, verse five. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Uh, verse five and six are, they're kind of scary because they go back to uh, stories and numbers that a lot of us omit or a lot of us don't spend a lot of time reading because they're brutal. They're truly scary things. But the privilege that they have as, well, we're the Israelites, so God will just let us do whatever we want. Guys, imagine you have just walked through the Red Sea after hundreds of years of captivity and being literally beaten. Uh, the slave drivers, uh, Pharaoh's uh, slave drivers, literally just sun up to sundown making bricks. Hundreds of years, Moses comes, displays God's power. You leave to go worship God, to go be set apart for God. All the things that the Exodus, the, the book talks about that the Exodus became. And you have seen all these things. When, when, when Moses is up talking to God to go get the law for you, is it time now to melt all the rings and build a calf to start worshiping? I mean, honestly, like how many minutes has it been since Moses has not been here? You think about like, like how far can you be trusted? How many minutes until you're AWOL when you're dropped into, uh, you know, freedom? They used to say um, sales guys, a lot of guys got in trouble on sales trips because they were just, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about Christian guys, although probably some, but you talk about these uh, trips 
that you go to, you know, you fly to Atlanta or whatever, and you're put up at some nice hotel and you have to work five hours a day. And then the rest of it's just like, it's up to you, whatever you want to do. There's a lot of people that struggle with that kind of freedom. There's a lot of bad things that happen because there's no accountability because there's nobody going, Hey, like, where are you going tonight? What are you doing tonight? What are you watching? Like all that stuff. These Israelites are together. They've just watched God, the 10 plagues. They've just watched God crush the Egyptians. And their first thought is let's create an idol with the stuff we stole or were taken, the the looting that happened on the way out of Egypt. God was not well pleased. Obviously, their bodies were scattered, that so many people died. And I don't have time to get into uh, numbers. I think it's 25, 22. There's so many stories where God was like, I'm not going to put up with this. I have set you guys up for success, and this is how you thank me. And so he's like, guys, this is a little bit of what's going on in your church, just so you know. Uh, Verse 7, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, play is a really nice translation for English, okay? I'm just going to leave it right there. If you want to go study the Hebrew on that and the context, play is not like little kids playing. We'll just leave it there. But lusting after evil things, the golden cap, all of the things that they did, waiting for God's word, basically, on the, on the tablets— Moses is up there. They're doing horrible things. They're playing with one another badly. We talked about meat sacrifice to idols. We talked, I mean, the context of the letter is some of these people are buying meat from a butcher shop and it's inside of a temple where people brought those pieces of meat to be sacrificed to false gods, idols, if you will, Zeus. Let's just throw out uh, a Greek mythology uh, name. And so the people know that that meat that they're buying was one sacrifice to something ultimately satanic because it's not God. Anything that's not God that says it's little g God is something that's false, meaning something of the enemy. And so some of these people were going in and buying meat. Some of these people were, were participating in the worship service that was going on because they're like, hey, it's cultural, like Mardi Gras. You know, if you lived in New Orleans, you might be tempted to go to some of these, these things that they have in New Orleans. Um, you're like, ah, I just kind of, it's just kind of playful. It's not that big of a deal. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's harmless fun. I don't go out after seven when things really get wild. I, w- I took my kids on accident uh, to, to New Orleans a few months ago. And uh, I was like, huh, it's getting late and it's Memorial Day. So no one's working. No one's really working in that town anyway. But it was just, I mean, it was starting to ramp up. You can just feel the, the things are getting wild. People are getting crazy. People are... It was bad. Um, They're out playing, if you will. Um, But if you lived in a place like that, you might be tempted. Some uh, brothers and sisters that are that are that struggle with gambling. Vegas is not the place to go live. It just isn't. Well, I'm going to work at Caesars. Really? Is that a good idea? I don't think so. Maybe you should go work at Calvary Chapel, Vegas, if you have to live there, because that would be a better place for you to be. He says, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in that day, 23,000 fell. That is in the book of Exodus, uh, 
you you read this reference in the verse before that, uh, Exodus 32, 6, if you want that, if you want to read that story. Um, but he's like, some of these Israelites were committing sexual immorality, and he's saying that out loud to be like, some of you guys are doing that too. Some of you guys are going into the temple and playing, and you shouldn't be, shouldn't be there for a million reasons, but you definitely shouldn't be doing that stuff. I mean, when you say it out loud in, in the Amer- even in 2023, like in the 80s, this would be like, People would be like, oh, I can't believe you said that. But nowadays, I mean, people say crazy stuff from the from pulpits all over America now. But you'd think you wouldn't have to say that, right? You'd think you wouldn't have to tell Christians, hey, we're going to go on a missions trip to Vegas. Please don't go to brothels to tell them. I mean, you'd think you wouldn't have to say that. I hope you would never have to say that. But he's saying that. So what does that tell you? He's also trying to put the, quote, fear of God in these people because they don't have enough. And sometimes I really think in our day, 2023, sometimes I think the American, generically, the American Christian church doesn't have enough because God is not somebody to be toyed with. And he is definitely not somebody who like is going to allow like somebody to be like, well, you know, I'm just going to like mess around with God for like the longest time. And he'll be, I'll just calm the old man upstairs. No, God, nothing gets past him. Not one thought, not one word gets past him ever. So Paul's, I mean, this letter is harsh and it's part of the letter. And we're going to go through all the way to the end of this letter. But he says, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Uh, In numbers, I forget the reference in numbers where this happened, They were complaining against Moses and they were saying things like, why did you take us out of Egypt to die here? After God had already shown them like so much of his power and that lack of faith needed to be punished. Guys, I understand that some of this is for 2023 audience because it goes out onto the internet. I understand that some of this is like, man, God is harsh. Like, let's not reference it so that secular people can read numbers because then they'll really be scared or they'll say horrible things about the God of Israel. No, God doesn't need, he does, he's no respecter of persons. There's nobody above God that he respects more than him. And there's nobody who scares God. Not even the media scares God. Although it peer pressures many, many people in our day. But if you think that you're going to get away with this or this or this, Or if you think that it's like, wow, that's really harsh. Why would God allow those people? Um, The text literally says that fiery poisonous snakes killed tons of these people. And Moses appealed to God. Moses was like the point of contact, like Christ is for you and I. So they would talk to Moses and be like, hey, tell God this. Because Moses was allowed that through the relationship he had with God. God chose him to talk to him during these times when they first came out until the priesthood. But in our day, like the idea of like, we talk to Christ, like we pray to God, but it's through Christ. It's because of Christ that you and I can be have an open conversation with God. But we also have to respect who he is. We have to respect his position. We have to know God of the universe is not like, he's not like the jolly old man upstairs. Like Hulk Hogan used to, after he would win in a, I loved WrestleMania in the eighties. Um, Hulk Hogan, how did he have such a blonde mustache? I don't understand. Was there any dye involved? I don't know. Long, blonde, thin hair, like straw, thin hair. Um, he, he used to, after he would win, he'd be like, 
Like he, and then, and then the announcers be like, oh, and he's thanking the man upstairs as he always does. I mean, if that's the only relationship that Hulk had with the Lord, I hope not. I mean, the Hulk is, he's still alive. Um, I hope that's not, but it's sort of like this joke, like the God bless you's or the, the, the religious talk. It's like an, an appearance of some sort of submission to God without any kind of relationship with God. It doesn't toy with God. God's not like, he's not like, oh man, at least they said, God bless you a few times that honored my name. It's not like that. It's literally like God is a just judge, like the, the most strong and powerful justice person that there is on this earth times a million and more. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed. Sometimes, and I, I don't say this just, I only say it because I see it in the scriptures. I don't say it because I know what happens behind the scenes spiritually in our day and age. But with a few, as they say, bad apples, with a few kind of rotten hearted Israelites, don't you think that consensus and lots more people complaining, don't you think that sometimes that had an effect on the weaker brother in the, in the Israelites? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it did. That you've got literally a million plus people walking through the desert. And before two of them made it into the promised land, out of all of them, two of them, Moses didn't even make it. When you think about a group of people conspiring and saying, hey, we don't really buy this. We don't really want this. We just want to like we're going to start a little coup and we're going to like run back to Pharaoh and beg for our old jobs back. Some of those people will offend and make weak and hurt the weaker brothers within, within Israel. He's saying some of you guys are doing bad stuff in this in these Corinthian temples. And you're literally, you will be dealt with. If you have nothing to worry about, praise God. That's awesome. If your heart's soft towards the Lord, Praise God. That's great. But don't tempt Christ. Do not be a complainer as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Sometimes guys in this grace age, we complain and, and we wonder like, man, we've gotten away with complaining for a long time. It should never be something that you go, well, God can, I can just complain for the rest of my life because God hasn't destroyed me yet. The opposite is where our heart should be. The opposite is like, like I have a little bit, probably a little bit more of a fear of God in me just because of how, like how I was raised and like the church that I was raised in. And, and I actually am, I'm, I'm thankful for it because I think that it's a good thing to have that. But he says, um, some that complained in Israel were destroyed. Now all these things happened to them as examples. So he's giving tons of examples He's showing them all of Israel who was so great, right? And a lot of Israel was destroyed and two out of how many million made it? Two made it into the promised land that Moses was tasked with getting these people to. And, and God just let them like, fine, you guys aren't going to believe. Like, remember when Jesus said like, uh, uh, there's too much disbelief for me to be able to do much. Paraphrase. That much complaining, that much anger, that much immorality, that much sin, that much whatever was going on with these people. No, you guys, you're going to stay here until you get it. And if you have to stay here and I, I take Joshua and Caleb, that's it. These, these youngsters, 
that's it. That's all that's going to make it two out of millions. Like in the, from the time that they left to the time that those guys got in, none of them made it. He says, all these things happen as examples. They were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. One of the most probably underrated scriptures. Take heed lest you fall. No temptation. We all know this one. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, what what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may able to bear it. Uh, It's been said that if Satan like full on tempted us to his ability that we'd be crushed in two seconds. Even Peter was, was told by Jesus, hey, Satan wants to sift you, man. Uh, sifting anything means it goes through a great mean, meaning it's done. And that's what a lot of people in this church, that's what was happening. So when you think about, um, I think it was Numbers 25, just as a reference, uh, the being destroyed because of the sexual morality with the Moabites, uh, doubting the plan of God, the, fires, the fiery poisonous snakes, complaining and complaining to Moses because they weren't supposed to just like approach God in a, in a, uh, not disrespectful way. But it's unbelievable to me that you have people enslaved for 400 years. God brings them out with miracles that you and I would be blown away if we saw something like that. And the first thing they do is complain. They complain about food. They complain about water. They complain about how many times, why did you bring us out here? But I used to think that I would be different. I used to think I would never do what Peter did. I used to think I would never have complained about this. And it's like, then again, I complain a whole lot about how hot this desert is in the summer. And I have a house with air conditioning with four walls. So I'm going to, I'm going to retract my statement on that one. But When you see all of these miracles, when you see what Jesus did for the masses and people did not instantly humble themselves and go, no matter what it costs, I'm going to follow you. That tells you that signs and wonders are one thing. They are amazing. I'd love to see them. I think everybody would love to see miracles, but they don't convert the human pride. They just don't. Now, has anybody ever been converted by a sign? Sure. I'm sure that's happened. Um, I would even say, I know that that's happened, but I'm going to say, I, I think that it's happened definitely. But when you see the provision in the desert, when you see all of the things these folks saw, but you turn away from the one, when you turn away from God, that tells you something about our hearts, human beings. And I want to just throw this out um, as a as a closer of this. If you and I cling to our rights, I don't mean our constitutional rights. I mean our rights as Christians. Then Jesus, then is Jesus your God or is your right your God? That was David Guzik and I botched the, the exact quote. But if, if we're like, no, 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 that's my right. Like if somebody says to you, hey, I understand. I, I used the illustration last week. Like if we did poker night here, if we like, we're like well, church, church needs new windows. Let's do poker because um, the house always takes 9% net, right? Um, so let's do poker night. And then we had people, we would, God help me if we ever did something like that. But I would say we wouldn't do that. But once again, you just never know how evil somebody is. Hopefully you guys would leave the second you heard that the, Hey, next to the, to the Timothy house is poker night. Um, hopefully you'd never, uh, come back. 
But um, if we did that, like, let's just say we were idiotic enough to do that. And then somebody comes and they go, hey, I really struggle with gambling. Um, I don't even have a cell phone anymore because I've bankrupted my family with NFL online gambling since it's literally as easy as can be. Hey, spend $5. We'll give you 200 It's like, why don't you just shoot my arm up? Seriously. But, but truthfully, I mean, that's, it's almost that bad. If we did something like that as a church, like, number one, the person who does that, like, where's the fear? Where's the, like, God will provide. Where's the fear? Because you're doing stuff that literally, I promise you, will stumble somebody, somebody in the church. And if because of that, they walk away from Christ, that's on me. And the, the scriptures are clear about that. But if your friend that you're witnessing to says, hey, you know, I don't want to go to that place or I don't want to do whatever that is because I have a, I have a kind of a, an issue with that. Then if we go, well, you're just a weak brother, brother. If that's our response, then the rights are above Jesus. The rights are above God. A couple things in closing. We need to heed the warning. That verse, uh, heed the warning, verse 13, because only God knows the heart. But we have a problem with America in general, maybe Corinth, maybe the Israelites. We live in an external culture. We live in a culture where everything is about externals. Everything's how you look on the inside, on the outside. And because so many people can present as humble, so many can present as hospitable, your heart could still be far from God, even though the reinforcements from other Christians is great. Seriously, you could have somebody who is really, really far from God, and yet everybody will tell you at their funeral, that was the most uh, God-honoring person I ever knew. That was the most holy person I ever knew. That person was, that person is probably sitting on Jesus' right hand right now. But if God says when they face him, I never knew you. That's the scariest thing in the whole world, literally. And that's what Paul's really trying to get these people to know. Like, hey, some of you guys are okay, but a lot of this church is not okay. And you need to heed the warning because God deals with people because of what he sees, not because of what your best friend sees or the elder board or whoever. The church thinks you're the greatest thing in the world and you're always having pool parties and paying for the food and you're just so great. That is an awesome thing. But if that's the only thing, there's something very much lacking. Lastly, in many ways, and I've thought this my whole life, in many ways, the biggest miracle that God can do is to soften a human heart. That's a bigger miracle than mountains moving. We see thousands of examples, not only in scripture, but in our own day of the wickedness and hardness of people's hearts. Sometimes looking at the Red Sea parting is a small miracle when compared to the human heart yielding completely to God. Truly yielding to God. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we look at uh, a difficult passage, a, a passage that, that calls all humanity onto the carpet, uh, help us not to dismiss it. Help us to really let it land. Um, let it get in like good soil of hearts. Help us to take these words and heed them, not around people, but around you, uh, in the alone times, in the times when it's just us and you. And God, do a work. 
um, revive dead hearts. God, whoever needs to hear that part, um, that whoever needs to come to you, come back to you, God, that they would simply acknowledge it and ask for it. That they would simply call out to you and say, I need you, Lord. God, there's so many things in our culture that are crazy and wrong and, and out of line, but help us to see the real deal. Help us to see that the revival starts in our own hearts first. In Jesus' name, amen.